0: The opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of loudspeaker networks, its employees, sponsors, or affiliates. This is Loudspeaker.
1: A simple car accident can change everything. Tonight, my guest is Dr. Jackie Fields, board certified physician and integrative medicine specialist. While in medical school, Jackie suffered a severe car accident that nearly took her life, and her near death experience changed her focus on medicine forever. Welcome to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. what a treat to actually be in studio with Dr. Jackie Fields. So nice to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. This is a pleasure. So Jackie, first of all, tell the audience a little bit about what you do, what your background is, and then I want to just get into your story. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I am a physician. I'm boarded in primary care and
0: integrative holistic medicine. I currently run an integrative clinic called the Healing Gardens Health Center. And I run another section called the Living Arts Center to help people sort of learn how to integrate healthy lifestyle. And I have a nonprofit foundation. So that was a vision I had a long time ago of knowing I would do medicine this way. I feel like my path was pretty paved. I was fortunate to be in the right place at the right time. I showed up or was invited to the first holistic board of medicine meeting. I was pre-med and I was debating it and I for a serendipitous weird story prior, um, was invited by the current president, which was Bernie Siegel. And at that meeting, there was just what I called the paradigm shifters of medicine. So Deepak Chopra, Kristen Northrop, Patch Adams, Andy Weil, all under one roof, one meeting. I think they were coming together, realizing they were all individually working on a paradigm shift And I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. And I think that dawned on them that if we hit students prior to them being mm, sort of soul stripped from the process of the education, that that would be powerful. So I felt like I was a little model at the meeting. So I was brought up on stage and I also, for me, realized, oh, these are all my mentors. And so that became clear that that was going to be my path. And some of them then became my uh, future mentors through the process.
1: So cool. I mean, those are names that people definitely will recognize. And these people that became your mentors, what was that like?
0: So my, I guess, biggest player was more Andy Weil. And I think it was more because I was in very interested in some of the stuff he had done, where he had traveled the world, really writing for Harvard about different forms of healing. And I found that fascinating, and then that became my path through med school and residency, where I was interested in being with indigenous tribes. For a long time I wasn't too sure why I was very into that, and then I it, later I realized they never separated the mind from the body. So they never became mechanical mechanics like sometimes has happened in medicine where we separated all the body parts. We became specialists. And so the the tribal forms of healing continue and still continue today to understand their power of thought, their power of plant medicine, their power. So my undergrad degree was more plants, and I was very interested in Tribes that understood the use of them because we're losing that knowledge. So that's what I did. I did travel around a lot and did more tribal medicine. And and then elective time, I would go down and work with Dr. Weil. He hadn't started his, his fellowship yet. So this was all pre-fellowship. This was all pre the whole founding of really integrative medicine. Now there's a board specialty which is incredible that that's happened in my lifetime. So I just sought it out. I knew that's what I wanted and loved it and felt very fortunate. And then to kind of save my sanity, I would just bring some of these guys I mentioned to speak at my med school. So that was helpful just to constantly have them in my lives and remember what I was doing and why I
1: was doing it. For the listeners that don't really understand what holistic integrative medicine is, can you help explain that? That's a big word. A
0: physician that's boarded in integrative medicine means that we just have a wider girth of understanding. We might understand nutritional medicine well, we might understand botanicals. We might not be experts in all the different thoughts, but we are open to using the modalities. And in my clinic, I have about 20 different modalities under my roof. So I did realize there's no way I can be an expert in all the modalities, but I could learn when different techniques would be less invasive and less aggressive to a patient and would avoid more invasive procedures. So it's also integrative includes certainly mind-body medicine, which is probably stuff you're very aware of and using in your practice. So it's,
1: it's just a larger girth of tools is what it is. And and so in your own life, how has holistic medicine, do you have stories just about your own experience um, <laughs> with this? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I would say, I absolutely always incorporate if something's going on in my life the other tools first so I am a, a preventative and proactive and I I want to be less reactive in medicine so even if something's going on with myself I mean my second baby I did more of a a home birth and I felt that that power of me Just listening and knowing it really actually wasn't very planned, but there was a deep internal listening to how that was going to unfold more at the last minute. And having lots of emotional support from people I really trusted made that process incredibly different. At the time I was doing labor and delivery, and it really changed how I viewed things. I've also had. One intense car accident where I was a med student, I had always said every doctor should be a patient. And I was coming home from a journey with Andy Weil, and I was very much into deep meditation, and he's written a lot about altered states of consciousness. I basically, in that accident, I was 70 miles an hour unrestrained. I was near a hospital I was training at. I was brought to the hospital I was training at. And I had a full out-of-body death and dying experience, which now I can say was a tremendous gift because I'm less fearful of that thin veil when I'm with patients. And that probably was the most intense experience that has made me, who I am and how I practice. And I was 22 or 23 when that happened. But yeah, I could go on of how I integrate, but I'm always integrating. I'd always prefer non-aggressive tools before I'd pull in the allopathic tools. I feel like the allopathic tools are crisis management tools. That's what I feel like. And I feel like the integrative modality is going to be, better for chronic situations and long-term situations. So that's what I've learned in my practice. Yeah.
1: Going back to your your car accident, which really sounds like this huge awakening in your life, What what were the medical implications with you? What was going on? I had... Unbuckled myself to change music, and I was at my
0: exit, like coming home from a long trip and going to have a little break for Christmas holiday, which in med school you don't get a lot of breaks. So that was, I was really looking forward to that. And I, the traffic stopped to a halt, and I hit another car, and I had quite the impact, but I instantly opened my car door and I stood up. And at that moment, I exited my body, which was stuff I was studying, just death and dying and out-of-body experiences, Ram Dass' work. It was everything I was studying, which was very intense. I felt like it was, okay, here's your experience. So I stood up and instantly somebody was there and they stabilized my neck and they sat me back down. And I then could only see from the back of her head, I was sort of looking from beyond at my face and my neck being held. And, and then I was brought to my hospital or whatever the hospital I was training at, Denver General, and I could hear everything. But I wasn't, my body wasn't doing anything. It was, I, I had exited it. And so as I was brought into the hospital, I was surrounded by neurosurgeons and I could hear them say all the negative things. At best, she'll be a quadriplegic or comatose state or, so my body didn't have reflexes. So neurologically, nothing was happening and I found it a little humorous because the docs would just sort of yell louder, move your leg. (laughs) I was thinking, I wish I could. I'm not (laughs) hanging out in there. But I was always present seeing it. That was the experience. I couldn't remember how I left and I can't remember really how I came in, but I always knew I was fine. And there was never pain and I was not uncomfortable. I came back in as they were sort of sewing at my face. And then they all came back around, and then I did have reflexes, and then everything did work at that point. At that point, I was able to speak, and my dad's a surgeon, and my dad was waiting for us in Steamboat, and they drove down, my dad and my sister, to pick me up, and they actually pulled me out of the hospital so big. Head injury, this is years ago, and I think that was pretty intense to leave, but He felt pretty comfortable that they were going to watch me at home. I told the story to my father. And long story short, most of the whole process, I feel like, was a tremendous gift. To answer your question about what was my body doing, I really wanted to answer that question. So I actually wanted to meet the woman who was supposedly instantly there holding my head. And so I decided to go to court because I figured she'd be subpoenaed. So I'd ask her, because it was literally while she was holding my neck that I exited. So I go to court a couple months later, knowing that I didn't, it just, it was really to meet this woman. And I looked at all the documentations and there was no such person. So it took me a while to register that story, just that we have different planes of energy. Yeah. So... It took me two years actually of processing that story of, so Huh. somebody else was kind of hanging out to stabilize me and help. And I felt like I was always pushing the envelope in the medical world in my training. So I didn't per se go back and talk to a lot of the doctors. Uh-huh. That's not what I did. But my experience and my conclusion was I exited and I came back and And I think there's lots of times in life where patients are doing that, where there's a thin veil, where it's an altered state. Sometimes we alter them with medications and it's just a thin veil. And I think that's a fascinating conversation.
1: As we're in these unprecedented times right now, it feels like we're in this new awakening right now that all of the world at once is experiencing this huge crisis and health crisis. How do you see this emerging even more right now on the planet?
0: Yeah, I I hope we're in a clear awakening. I I'm optimistic of that. To me, some of the tools in integrative is is quieting and listening better, right? So that's I mean just even teaching the tools that everybody has that are free yeah right I mean deep quiet meditation so you're listening quietly to your truth right that's not nobody that's not that complex that's the, that's a free tool so teaching uh, a lifestyle medicine and breath work and down regulating our nervous system so we can hear better um, we can do our work. I mean, sometimes our body is ill because we're just doing the wrong thing. And it's just talking to you. I always say your body's a poem and it's just talking to you and to not be afraid of that. So just teaching those tools that you have a lot of power in your own listening patients. I don't ever want them to feel victimized and I want them to embrace their power So this is the time to do that, to stand strong, listen fiercely,
1: and then act, not react, right? Like to be able to do the pause, right? I mean, I I think that's one of the things I talk to my clients about a lot is so that we can respond rather than just react. Like sometimes it's an instinctual hair trigger, fight or flight response that we're in. And I, I really noticed too, Jackie, I don't know if you notice this too, the collective conscious right now, there's, there's so much fear and so much anxiety free floating around that I think it's so important that we pause and take the time to ground. Like we need to do it. Sometimes we need to do it several times a day, but to really be able to be in that place where we are in touch with whatever our definition of the divine is. We're in, in contact with that inner wisdom and we are listening. COVID, that would be the one positive of what happened. The whole world stopped.
0: That's intense. Yeah. And we were forced to stop. And I loved that piece of it. <laughs> the earth got quiet. The animals came out. I mean, there was some incredible pieces to that pause, a forced pause on humanity. I mean, that's a remarkable statement. Yeah. And it did make many do things different. That I find I'm very grateful for, even myself, just realizing how fast we're moving. And that's just not, not necessary.
1: Right. So much of that in our world, it's like people remembered what was important. Like being with loved ones, like the gift of being able to just be outside in the sunshine, yeah, to be in touch with nature, yeah, was the only place you could go, right? I know, (laughs) or Or just just those times. I know for myself, I've I've meditated for decades, and it's never been as deep. mm -hmm. It's never been as meaningful and as important. Truly, what's interesting to me too is then it becomes an outer resource, right? yeah because we're cultivating some sense of resiliency, yeah. yeah and then we're able to kind of bring that into what you and I do in working with patients or clients. I'm grateful for all of that piece. This is such
0: an interesting time.
1: What are some of the other tools I guess that you would recommend as people are really still navigating through these times and without getting political, but with with the presidential election coming up and all this kind of bizarre stuff that we're hearing in the news or for me, I'm not hearing the news because I, I avoid it. I really do for a sense of balance. And I don't want to keep my head in the sand, but I think it's important that we know some of the tools that that maybe you would recommend proactively. Yeah. As we're working on how can we be our best selves? How can we show up as our healthiest self?
0: In the integrative functional medicine world, we always want somebody's terrain optimized. So that's something that if you come to one of us, we're going to look and make sure you're not depleted. And depleted can be nutritionally depleted, but depleted can be emotionally depleted, and your body doesn't distinguish the difference. So my statement, I think I say to patients a lot, is I don't want you depleted. I don't want you toxic. I don't want you inflamed. I need you rested. I need you grounded. And that sounds so basic, but there's a lot of things in our world we'll actually research on the patient that has nothing to do with illness. It just has to do with how's your soil, how's your train, and then how do we... Perfect that. So, of course, in a time like this, how are your adrenal glands? What are some of the plants we could do that are adaptogenic to really support its resiliency? What's your quality of sleep? What are some of the tools we can do to really shut your brain down? Our brains, we are, the amount of information is too much. So, you got to navigate that. And then we got to teach that to our poor kids. We didn't grow up with this mount coming in and so it literally needs to be taught and navigated of how you're going to regulate this. Since I had kids I literally can't look at visuals I can choose to hear stories or read stories but our kids aren't reading so that all this visually is coming in and you can't get it out of your head once you've seen it so you've got to uh, really get super mindful And realize you're in control of that choice. So this comes back to taking back your power. Just because it's happening everywhere doesn't mean you have to invite it in. So that's practice, right? That's a daily practice to go, I'm not going to visually watch this. Sometimes I get mad what visually comes into my head because I then have to really work harder to get it out. I have a lot of brain tools that I'll teach patients. Of course, there's the free ones, meditation, walking meditation, yoga. My practice has been more yoga and breath work. And again, those are all free. I mean, in COVID people realized they literally could just click a button and do that themselves outside and not go to gyms and not pay. So these were all free. There are more complex ones if patients struggle. I use tools like neurofeedback. I use AlphaStem. And these are ways to, I say, brain retrain. The brain is the commander in chief and the brain needs, it's on overdrive. It needs a lot of help right now. But these practices that COVID forced us to do, to literally just step outside, be outside, connect more, quiet more, again, all free, that has to happen every day. Every single day. That, that was the, the re-message, I think, is we really stirred far away from the basics. So some of these are just basics. Feminist Hot Dog is back with a new season packed with awesome interviews with icons, artists, innovators, authors, and lots of surprises. Whether you consider yourself a hardcore feminist or you're feeling feminist curious, tune in Wednesday nights at 8 Mountain
1: and get all the information and inspiration you need to live your best feminist life. Listen Wednesdays on Loudspeaker and Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, love yourself and love your fun.
0: Food is our first medicine and so patients may be connecting more to their farmer and getting real food or maybe they were planting their own garden which is a great connection to the earth and, and their food so that's a really big basic one that hopefully happened more during this time. Plants are my first tool to patients and plants and, and nutrition. and teaching them things that aren't, they're not necessarily expensive, but learning about them and meds are my last choice. And so I I feel like I spend a lot of time and trying to get the patients off the meds and to realize what their alternate tool is. So I view the med as a crisis manager tool. So I do a lot of that work. I, I run a natural pharmacy and basically the premise of the pharmacy is, is botanicals that are researched and nutrition protocols that are researched that help me, that's a tool I use to get them off the Band-Aid meds. And what do you consider the Band-Aid
1: meds? What would that be?
0: Uh, Well, most, I mean, medicine's fantastic at acute crises. So IE, you have an infection, great. I mean, there's a time and place for all of that. So that is a Band-Aid, but it also is the cure. That works for sure. I mean, you have a fracture and something very mechanical is happening. Medicine's fantastic. I would never discount All those tools I learned. But sometimes somebody's not sleeping and we put them on a sleep med and then we pretend it's okay to do that long-term. And that's actually not true. The studies aren't even there. So our goal is some of these things, our gut is our soil. So one in four drugs take out our soil in our gut, which is 60% of our immune system, which is how we're gonna get all our nutrients, which is our interface with the outside world. They'll take us down. So, so, there are many, many meds that shouldn't be long term. And if I can find them a different tool for their depression or their anxiety or um, their sleep or these chronic things, their re- reflux, their dysfunctional gut, their right, those are the things that you try to find the alternate path for. Yeah. You have to have people excited as well. I think most. People, if they're given the time of day, they are excited. They just need the time of day from their practitioner. That and that paradigm's broken. That makes me sad. That paradigm where it's it's become corporate factory medicine. I've never worked in that except for in training, I guess. But that has
1: progressively broken. Just, just the practitioner just having time. Yeah, they need time. They need time. Yeah. Really yeah. knowing them. Yeah,
0: an integrative doc's going to see six to eight patients a day. I mean, it's very different because you need the time. I need to know who you are to choose the tool that's best for you. I have to know what you believe. I have to have time to connect with you. I have
1: to know your story no different than what you're doing. No doubt. And and exactly what you're saying, I mean, I find that so true in my practice. What is the whole mind, body, spirit? Yeah and and when we are looking at the whole person that's how we help healing happen yeah it reminded me of a study i had read about centurions and one of the things that they were talking about and they were using i think some of the population that they were looking at is centurions in spain and in greece and both of those cultures one of the they were saying one of the features that they felt like were contributing features were that every day they took a nap, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. stopped yeah, work, stopped everything. And I was like, I love that because I'm a napper. And I'm like, and I do every day. It's like 25 minutes. It It's what makes me feel absolutely. I can shut down, refuel, and then I'm back and I'm totally yeah. present.
0: Yeah, that's an incredible skill. I actually don't have that skill. <laughs> I love it though. Yeah, so those are the Blue Zone people. That's incredible, and they had many features in common. And it is beautiful to study that. Like why? I always think in medicine it's so interesting. We don't study the ones that are successful, like the, the cancer patients that win. That that was Bernie Siegel's model, and they he really was him and Candace Pert. When I was in my training, and they were great mentors of mine, was really, they were the founders of, of uh, visualization. You have a thought, and you change what's happening. That neuropeptide is released, and it's not just staying in your brain. That neuropeptide receptor is on every single organ of your body. So when you have a thought to clean something up, it really cleans something up. It's That's a powerful statement to a patient. That's what was happening to his patients and why they did better. But... Uh, Blue zone people. One of the most powerful things was diet. They ate probably more pescatarian diets, so 70% plants. So that's important. Our nation flips that. And then more fish. The produce is fresher, not shipped halfway across the country and picked unripe and so nutrient void. So again, get to know your farmers because grab it when it's right there. Yeah. And then one of the more beautiful things is one of the first things you and I said, which is purpose. So these people live with purpose. So they're listening, they're listening and they're honored in their culture. So as they age, they're honored. They're not set aside. We don't have a culture like that. Right? We're, we're really the opposite of blue zone. Well, and what is, what is blue zone? I haven't heard so the that. blue zone is where the centurions were. The oh, okay. five they places it, yeah. in the world that had the most amount of centurions. And beautiful. Those are beautiful studies. Actually, they moved slower. They had a sense of mindfulness and purpose and connectivity to what they were doing. They were serving, whatever that meant. Yeah, but they were doing something. They knew their heart was supposed to do. That's a really Important statement, not just doing something you'll meet more people here. I, I was raised biculturally. My my mom's from Italy, so I was raised in Italy where they all have more blue zone qualities. And so yeah, we we literally are the opposite of that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> in Italy they nap, they eat, they it's not only when you eat, it's how you eat. Eating with mindfulness, eating when your metabolic rate and state is on, i.e. between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. So Italians, Spanish, Greece, eating their biggest meal midday. Yeah. Right? We do the opposite. We say, oh, I'll just work, 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 and wait till I retire. And that's when I'll enjoy. It's like, oh, my goodness. That that time may never come. Right.
1: right. I think about, and I can't remember now who it was. I, was, I remember I was listening to an audio book, and... The author was talking about our life is like this big jar of pearls and every day we're taking one out and it's like we never know when that last one is in there, when it's going to be the last day. We really don't know. So how do you want to live basically that day? Yeah. And I, and I think that's so important because it really does bring that mindfulness to everything we're doing when that, that old saying of carry water, chop wood to be present with whatever it is we're doing. And what's beautiful to me about that too is learning how then we can actually infuse joy, we can infuse really bringing mindfulness and meaning to what we're doing. And also to speak to one of the things you just said, I think that's one of the things I work with a lot is clientele that are in that transition. So they've retired and they're like, okay, now what? Like I have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm depressed. I have no purpose. What's, what's the meaning of my life? I've defined myself by this 30, 40 year career. Right. And now what? And so I, I totally agree with you. I think we have this society that doesn't honor its elders. Yeah. And so, I mean, hopefully that's part of this awakening and awareness that that's happening because it is in other cultures, and it's so beautiful when you see that. that and I love my really dear, beautiful friends, George and Sedina Capanelli, that do the Ageless Nation series on PBS. And so their model being, those are the wisdom keepers. Do right? not discount this. Yeah. I mean, and, and so what a beautiful time in life and how we all have like this important story to share. Through through our bumps and challenges and experiences and joys and that that there is really something there to help share and help others navigate through their life and and even if it's just to like realize their own humanness right 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 have giving others permission to be like oh this is nothing but a thing you're you're okay it's okay that you're struggling right now it won't always be a struggle yeah that's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, I that that's really like dear to my heart when you talk about that, and and it's slowly happening. I think I see it in magazines as we're seeing not every woman on the magazine is twenty six or fourteen. Mm-hmm. So that it's like, oh yeah, I mean, I am looking at women that are in their seventies and beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, I I just think it's important that that paradigm is shifting.
0: I think it's, well, a be, little beautiful, but what you're up to, which is in a culture we had more storytelling and you're you're capturing this a lot, I'm sure, in your life and doing it this way. And I feel like we have to return to that giving just more time, right? And that means we have to pause and we have to listen, not in little sound bites. We have to literally Pause and listen. And there's just so much value in that. There's yeah. so much we get to do it in our profession, me and you, I'm sure quite a bit. And I feel very honored that I get to do that. Mm-hmm. But we as a nation, that's that's what we have to adopt. A little quieting, a lot more listening, a lot more learning in that fashion from our humanity, not not in sound bites. And we're gonna have to teach this to our kids because I, I recently have been worried that we're losing storytelling. Oh, yeah, and I want yeah. more storytelling.
1: It's a gift. I absolutely agree, a hundred percent. It starts with our kiddos, right? So it's like bringing this awareness. I love that right. I'm hearing so much about these programs that are coming into schools where they're teaching emotional intelligence and they're teaching mindfulness teaching the kids how to meditate. I mean they're really giving them the life skills. I mean it's yeah, it's awesome that you can do math and you've got to really know how to how to navigate through this life. And so that kind of thing just excites me to no end. I just had Natalie Ledwell on the show just a little while ago and that's one of her big projects is bringing all of that into the schools. It's yeah, it just it really excites me because I think that is our hope in the future, right? And so, Jackie, oh my gosh, I feel like we've barely scratched the surface. So many things I want to talk to you about. And for for this session, what, what is the essential message that you feel like you, you want to make sure that that you're leaving with the listeners?
0: I always like to leave people empowered, realizing we are all doing a tough journey together right now. I want them to embrace Quieting probably the pause, and in that, realizing that many of the things that refill them are free. Yeah. So to so they don't feel powerless, and to refill every day. So everything they were forced to do, there was probably a reason we were forced to do it right now. So I think we got to get back to some of the basics. So. I think that would help us all get through this right now. Yeah. So I don't want that. They can't be more overwhelmed. There has to be this reality check that to find some tools that really quiet them so they can listen, find their purpose, realize they might be redefining themselves. I mean, that we have a nation redefining themselves. But in, in the end, to care for their temple, eat well. Sleep well, feed it well, decide what to bring in, and that that's all in their power. There's a lot of things that feel like it's not in their power, but this is actually all in their power.
1: Yeah. So
0: that that would be valuable to adopt and shift that consciousness.
1: I think that one of the important takeaways that I took from my conversation with Jackie is the importance of being proactive in our lives that we can really help facilitate better health within us. Eating organic and healthy foods, yoga, meditation and breath work, how we connect with other people. These are all things that really serve us and serve our health and how important it is for our mental health and well-being that we really pay attention to the stories that we're telling ourselves and also make sure that we're sharing our authentic selves and our true story with others. And hopefully we are beginning to realize the importance of listening to the stories from our elders and listening to all the wisdom that came before them. There is wisdom in our bodies and the healing starts from within. And I think that's Jackie's message, that we can look at health and healing in a holistic way and we can be our own best self-advocate and our best champion to live our best lives. Remember, The Spark is your show too. If you have questions, feedback on the show, or if you're going through something and need a little help, we'd love to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us at our website, thesparkpod.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. New episodes of The Spark air Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. If you're having a mental or physical health crisis, please seek treatment immediately. The Spark is produced by NoCo Media Limited, which is solely responsible for its content. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark, igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James.
0: This is Loudspeaker.